Hello, welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep into the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. Available in video format at FunkinStuff.net and on YouTube, Truth and Rhythm can now also be enjoyed on the go in its audio podcast edition from FunkinStuff.net, iTunes, and most leading providers. I'm your host, Scott Dr. GX Goldfein, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the first guy to funk. Be sure to get your copy on Amazon today. Whether you're listening or watching, I thank you very much for your interest and support. My guests today are original guitarist, vocalist, and primary composer Reggie Hargis and horn player and vocalist Jimmy Brown of Brick, one of the most successful, unique, and fabulous funk R&B bands of the late 1970s and early 80s. Also with them, is Brick's next generation, if you will, Victor Alexander, who for the past 15 years has served as the group's drummer and is its current music director. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. How y'all doing? All right. Doing great. Doing great. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Uh, keeping cool in Atlanta? Trying to? Yeah, we're trying to. Let's take it easy here in Atlanta, you know, while we're home. <laughs> yeah, well, from Charlotte to Atlanta, uh, I share the, the heat and humidity with you, so it's all good. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, before getting into the questions, I want to share more with viewers and listeners about Brick's great history. The band exploded out of Atlanta in 1976 with its nationwide sensation known as Daz, or disco jazz. That amazing innovative song, which sounds as fresh and funky today as its day of release, launched Brick into a string of albums and singles that continued into the 1980s. Along with, or rather along the way, Brick unleashed many other powerful tracks. They include Duzik, Ain't Gonna Hurt Nobody, We Don't Wanna Sit Down, We Wanna Get Down, Push Push, Waiting On You, Free Dancer, and Sweat Till You Get Wet. Brick's singular sound, marked by falsetto group vocals, propulsive drum and bass rhythms, the catchiest guitar strumming, this side of Sheik's Nile Rogers, and breathtaking sax and flute playing, helped propel Brick to back-to-back -back number one albums, uh, number one R&B albums, that is, out of the gate. All told, they notched five straight top 40 R&B albums and posted seven top 40 R&B singles. I would say that's definitely solid as a brick. Coming up, we'll find out how Brick developed its innovative style, go behind the scenes of its classic tracks and albums, learn what life was like during the band's peak, and also uncover why the group's career unraveled in the 1980s. Finally, we'll hear how they reunited and continue to bring Brick's fierce funk to thrilled audiences today. All right, gentlemen, are you ready to jump into the questions? Oh, yeah, we're ready. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's start way back. So where are you guys from originally? How did you get into music? And when did, be, when, when did music become a driving force in, in your lives? Okay. Well, I started off, first of all, my home is Savannah, Georgia. Okay. And I'm the horn man in the group. Um, in 1971, I moved from Savannah, Georgia to Atlanta. Uh, in 1972, 
I was playing at a, a club locally, and this is where I met the fellas. I, I actually organized our a jazz uh, group. Okay, it was a jazz band that I was in. So in any way, I, this is how I met Reggie, the original guitar player. You know, the fellas, they would come over and sit in. I met the bass player and the drummer. Eddie Irons, bass player, Ray Ransom. I met all of those guys. And um, also Donald Nivens. They would come by and sit in. Okay, this was like in 1973. In 1975, we actually did our first recording. We were going over to a five and 10 cent store uh, and over the top of it was uh, this uh, eight track studio. So we would go over there every Wednesday and we started recording over there, okay? This is how we came up with our first uh, single, which was Musicmatic at that time, 1975, okay? And it, it, it did pretty well region, you know, regionally. And then uh, 1976, this is when Daz was released. Okay, so from there, before I knew it, we heard ourselves on the radio, and it was so exciting. I, I just, you know, <laughs> I really, it was hard to believe, you know, that we had a record out there like that, you know. Absolutely. And from that point, yes, from that point on, it's been moving. Is that right, Reggie? That's right, been moving ever since. And that's uh, for viewers and listeners, that's Jimmy. Now, Reggie, go ahead. Yeah, okay. My background was since my grandfather was a bishop, we traveled around like um, different states. He was a bishop of the AME Church, and so I lived in Detroit. In Detroit, I lived across the street from Jackie Wilson, Martha and the Vandellas. And that's where I really got my, you know, uh, start as far as love, the love of music, wanting to be in the music business. Then I lived in Lexington, Kentucky. That was across from the narcotic farm. Cause we used to hear musicians play out on the farm on Sunday. Then I came down to Atlanta. That was about 1975. Yeah. And so from that point on, that's how, you know, used to go to hear Jimmy and, and Ray play at the club. Used to go hear them on Sunday. And I was always around the recording studio. So we went to the recording studio one day a week over in College Park, that's Atlanta, Georgia. And that's how we came up with a lot of songs, just in the studio. Yeah, creating. Creating. What about you, Victor? I just brought in as a baby, learning how to play the funk. <laughs> My guitar hero, I wanted to be a guitar player, but I ended up being a drummer in the band, so. Fantastic drummer, too. How lucky can I get? <laughs> <laughs> Want to be like the guy, end up playing with the guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Jimmy, your, your, your style on the flute especially is, is very unique. How, how did you develop that style on the horns? Well, um, as a musician, when I was um, like a teenager, um, in fact, I learned trombone and baritone horn first. Then I went to saxophone, and then I learned trumpet. And actually, the flute was the last instrument that I actually learned on. So but, uh, what it was actually was the fact of me loving jazz. I love jazz, OK? And, and, and you take the fellas, the band, 
play, they were actually playing like the funk. Yeah. Okay, they were playing funk. And with my jazz playing on the flute and adding that in, that made the uniqueness of, of it, you know. And I listened to a lot of musicians like John Coltrane and, you know, um, Louis Armstrong, just different uh, musicians. And from doing that, I learned how to come up with my own style of playing. Okay, that, that's, that's what actually happened. Uh, and I found out a little later on that it was other, other flute players trying to learn how to play what I'm playing. <laughs> but, um, but actually, it, it, uh, I actually came up with it, the uniqueness of I was always trying to learn something different on the flute. And when I did add it to Daz, it worked out. So to me, it's kind of like uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, you got the peanut butter and the chocolate. You got the jazz and the funk. You guys mixed it up real good. Right. 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 That's how Daz actually came up. Um, disco jazz. Took a arrow. It was disco. So we said, you know, wait, wait a minute. Let's add some some little jazz in there and with the funk and come up with Daz. Mm -hmm. Reggie, what about uh, you with your guitar style? Um, you know, you had such great uh, strumming uh, parts and also, you know, some soloing on some of the cuts. Who, who is your inspiration? Yeah, I, I like My inspiration was like Curtis Mayfield, Jimi Hendrix, and Wes Montgomery. And through them, those three, I, I found everything as far as creating and, and, and coming up with new sounds. Right. Yeah, it's really, really tasty on uh, Ink and Hurt Nobody. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the song we got. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'd like to say, Scott, that um, all the, the, the five musicians were all college students majoring in music, okay? So it brought that, that, that actually brought the uniqueness because everyone could create and write their music in the band so that's what you know and putting that together that's what made it so unique and they came from we came from a marching band right all of us was in marching marching bands, bands. right uh -huh. jim was in savannah state and i was at morris brown right when it was happening <laughs> uh so, but how did you guys actually meet each other? Okay, um, all right. The way we actually met was in 1972, I would say. Uh, there were, um, uh, this club, it was called Garden Road at that time, but now it's MLK, Martin Luther King. And um, there was a club called the Aquarius, and they had, entertainment uh, upstairs, and they had entertainment downstairs. Well, I was actually playing downstairs with this group, okay? And um, they would start at 12 yeah. o'clock midnight. Midnight. <laughs> and go to five in the morning. In the morning. So anyway, <laughs> and musicians would come back, you know, just to set in, right? Well, this is um, actually how I met Eddie, the drummer. Mm -hmm original drummer for uh for brick he came and sat in one night 
Then Reggie came back, then and uh, then Donald came back. And so this is how I met the other fellows. Now, they had already made up their mind that they were, you know, that they were gonna record every Wednesday. Okay. So I left the next year, I organized and Ray came in and played bass, the bass player for, for, for break at that time. He came in and he played bass. And he was telling me, he said, Jimmy, every Wednesday, we go over to the studio and we record. You know, would you come over there and do some things with us? I said, yeah, I'd be glad, you know, <laughs> I'd be glad to come over on Wednesday. So this is how we actually got the, got together. Uh, we got with these other three fellows, which had a company called Mainstream, right? Right. Mainstream Records, okay? And, and. These fellows, they believed in us, okay? Bob Lee, Jim Healy, Jim Healy, and Johnny Duncan. And Johnny Duncan. They believed in what we were doing. I went over, you know, and uh, Reggie was in, and Reggie, came, Reggie actually came up with Daz. You know, he, he, he came up with the music and everything, okay? So, and, uh, so they said, well, you know what? It would be good if, if Jimmy added flu. And when I added it, the rest of it was history how we got out there as far as being in the studio and creating and creating that's how we actually got that's out. how we actually got out there right so um tell me about how you landed um that first record deal um so bang records um how did that come about and you know when the when the record hit like it did you know how how surprised were you i mean i uh, Jimmy talked about it a little bit, but what was it like when that thing just took off like wildfire? Well, in the beginning, we tried to sign up with Motown. They didn't want it. And so we went to Eileen Burns. No, no, Johnny Duncan and Bob Lee. They took the project to Eileen Burns. At that, Eileen Burns' husband, I think he made Splish Splash, those songs. She was very known in the music business. And right. so... When they put it out, it seemed like the next week we had a gig in Acapulco, Mexico. And so all of a sudden we were on planes and everything. The life, <laughs> right. life had changed overnight. Overnight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It was just unreal. 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 You yeah. were everywhere. When it was a hit record, you were everywhere. You were always on an airplane. But did that went on for about a year. Did, did you did you feel that when you're in the studio and, and and you got it down on tape? Did you feel like wow, this thing is like magic? Well, we love music, so we know when it felt good to us that it was gonna go. That's it. And the, and it went. And it went. We felt it. We felt it because wasn't nothing out there. See, we're a kind of group where like everybody made up their own part in mute in the music, making a song. Mm -hmm. The keyboard player had his part. Nobody told each other what to do. It's like you come up with uh, how you would like to hear, how you would like to play it, mm -hmm. how you like to perform it. Right. And that's what Brick was about in the beginning. Right. And how did you come up with the name? Uh, I was in, well, my grandmother had bricks in her backyard. And at that time, we were rehearsing over at Eddie's house. And his daddy was building a pond. And I said, well, Brick, you know, something solid, solid to relate to the, to the, to the band as far as a solid sound. So Brick stuff. Yeah, stuff. 
Now, Music Matic, though, was the first single, though, right? But that didn't take off, and then Daz just destroyed it. Yeah. Right. That was 1975 when uh, Music Matic came out. Yeah. And then in 76, when Daz came out, it, it was over. It was a, it was a new life. <laughs> it was, you're right. <laughs> it, it was. I remember back then, I was a teenager, and uh, you know, it seemed like you guys were on every music show. You were all over the TV. I mean, you guys performed that all oh, yeah. on TV, it seemed like. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did a lot of shows. We did um, American Bandstand. We did Soul Train uh, three times. We did um, the Dinosaur Shore Show. Mm -hmm. out in Vegas. Uh, we did uh, Don Kirshner's rock concert. Midnight special. And Midnight, Midnight special. special. We, we did a lot, of, a lot of shows. Yeah, our life changed like overnight. Like one minute you're working in the service station and the next minute, <laughs> the next minute you're on a plane. You're on a plane flying. <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing having, you know, a big hit that you hear on radio all the time, but also the album went to number one. And the song I think was number two on pop. So, I mean, right. you guys must have just been besides yourselves with like, wow, this is unbelievable. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, it was just um, you know unreal. And the things that we were doing, and the travel, and the, and the people that we you know we met, we met Prince. Uh, in fact, uh, Prince had the same management and Earth Wind and Fire. We all uh, were under the same management when we when we went to CBS. So it was it was fantastic. So when you did that first album, how much creative freedom did you guys have? I know Reggie, you were saying that the guys would kind of do their own parts. But in terms of like the label choosing singles or kind of pushing in a certain direction, what was that dynamic like? Well, when we got with, let me see, they wanted us to be produced. You know, at the first two albums, we did our own thing, but they wanted us to be produced. And when they did that, it changed up a little thing. When we went out to California, we didn't, they couldn't, we couldn't feel ourselves and they couldn't either. And so as time went on, we got with Ray Parker. And that was like one of the first times where like we were with an artist who could really feel us. And so that was a nice album, Summer Heat. Yeah. But really the big record companies, they didn't want us to, do our own thing. They wanted us to be produced, I guess, because a lot of other acts wanted to do their own thing, to, to produce their own self. Definitely. Well, let's step it back just a, a little bit. So um, the first album, Good High, huge hit. And then um, you came back with um, the album had Duzik on it. Um, just brick, brick. Yeah. brick. Most, okay. most people do brick, right. do, do, do it as like their first record, but you did the self-titled as the second record. Um, to me personally, I thought that that record was possibly like your strongest from start to finish. I love that record. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, dabbling in a bit of uh, uh, DJing at that time, like high school and, and, and house mm -hmm. parties. Uh, it wasn't a hit single, but we don't want to sit down. We want to get down. That was a killer track. I don't know why yeah. it didn't come out as a single. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, how were those single choices made at that time? And what was it like doing that second record? On the second record, of course, that record uh, it meant platinum. Okay, 
first one with gold, am I right, Rich? Right. And the, the second one with platinum. Uh, as you were saying, I you know I feel the same way too about the fact of um, the songs that were you know uh, that's on there ain't gonna hurt nobody. That was a big hit for us, you know. Um, when that when when ain't gonna hurt nobody uh, came out, it was really like having dance, you know, I, everything up because actually from that record alone, we you know we went back on Soul Train and, and did that and. And, and everything, you know? Um, but that particular album, the Brick album, after that album, that's when things actually changed because we didn't have the chance to really produce ourselves. We were doing a lot of producing ourselves and our music. That was taken away, okay? When when we went with CBS, that's actually, it was taken away because they put producers on it. When, a, when they put producers on you, you're going to sound like, they, well, you know, actually, what you, yeah, what you want, <laughs> they want you to sound like. So that's, that, 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 that was actually the, you know, to the downfall from everything, you know. Well, let me, let me uh, still stay focused on this, on the, on the second record a little bit, though. So music was obviously mm -hmm. a follow-up to Daz. Did you, did you guys feel pressure to do sort of a direct follow-up to Daz? Well, at that time, we were writing so much until we just put out what felt good. We weren't trying. One thing we did not want to do was copy off our own music. You know, we didn't yeah. want to copy off of Daz. We wanted to come another way. Right. And Doozy um, actually did that. Mm -hmm. You know, Doozy. <laughs> yeah. All we gotta do is get to a studio and a little uh, back and it can happen again. <laughs> Maybe about two or three hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that. Sounds good to me. Things yeah. happen though, you know. Because when you record, you've got to be comfortable. You can't worry about nothing. So yeah, you, can you save, So you can create. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so that, that record not only included Ain't Gonna Hurt Nobody, which was so distinguishable right away from that drum beat that would start it off, um, uh -huh. but also Living From the Mind was a great track, I thought. Um, and uh, the bass, and We Don't Want to Sit Down, We Want to Get Down. I mean, that was killer. Love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what I want to say, yeah, also, I want to say about Daz is that Daz is such a great record. It still sounds so fresh today. Back then, when it first came out, it was one of those mm -hmm. tracks that is so creative and good that it takes, at least for me, it took like a minute to click. I had to listen a few times oh. to catch up with it. And once I did, man, it was over. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a real funky track, you know. And as you were saying, uh, even today, which is a blessing for us, people still love it. I mean, they, they're playing it, you know, you still hear it all the time. So that's a great thing. Let, let me throw a question out to Victor since you're, I don't want you standing there for nothing. <laughs> so. Hey, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I like hearing the stories over and over again. Is it, is it challenging uh, any of these tracks we've talked about so far in terms of the drumming? You know, it, did you have to tailor your style a little bit to how Rick does it or you know how have you figured out those parts well the drummer that they had before Eddie eyes 
he was just a machine, a monster. So I just adapted what he did and just put my eyes on top of it and hey, and create another monster. So I, I can call it my own, but it's, I mean, the, the music is driving. I like powerful music. So, and I try to knock Jimmy back out every time I'm playing behind him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he <So>, sure do. <laughs> so, I like rock music, so it's rock and funk together. So, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. And you know, uh, um, what I like to say that um, also, you know, things have really been happening for us uh, because of our, Man. our manager. Oh, yeah. Belinda Perval oh. is her name. And she's really making things happen for Brick. And, uh, and I mean, we are so happy about it. And, you know, and we, and we love her. You know, she's doing a great job for yeah, us. Yeah, great Brick. job. Mm. I, I can vouch for that. She's been terrific helping set this up, and so I'm very grateful for that. Oh, oh I know. Yes, she <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to be to be around somebody who know what they do. What they do, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> now, one of the things that stood out to me about Brick during that '70s period of just you know great success, you know, that you were a smaller band than most of the other funk bands of that time. You know, Jimmy right. would cover all those horn parts. So you only had five members, and mm -hmm. you know, um, besides you know uh, being helpful to split royalties, fewer directions with fewer guys. Um, you know, do you feel like that helped set you apart in terms of your identifiable sound back then compared to you know the 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 confunctions, the Earth Wind and Fires, the Barquets, and all these other bigger bands? Yeah. Yes, it did. It did. Um. um having just five members like that and um and like you say um i play you know i'm playing like uh, four different instruments you know trombone trumpet alto flute and, you know i mean alto sax and flute and, and 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 what we did we tried to make it where i was able to take well take for instance um uh, the, the the song sweat okay um when it starts off, I'm playing trumpet. Then it's another part in there where I'm playing alto sax. We tried to put the different instruments in there, in, in the songs, which we, which we did, you know. And like some of the songs, like Happy, the song Happy, I'm playing uh, by different instruments and in different sections and stuff like that. So with the five members and, and, and we being able to do that, it, it, you know, it made things different, you know, for, for us. And see, we don't use click tracks. We we play live everything. Everything live. That's the beauty of it. All, all, all of, a lot of them other groups they're using the they using yeah. backup. They using vocals and all that for a click track. But we mm -hmm. have, we yeah. play ours live. Right, right, just straight up live. Just like the bands in nineteen twenty. <laughs> well, I mean that puts so much uh, onus on on Jimmy's shoulders to cover all those parts. Is that was it ever sort of a disadvantage? I mean, did you ever feel like maybe need to take another player out on the road or something like that? No, I, I, I have never felt like that because, um, number one, I believe in what I'm doing. You know what I, mean? I go for it every time we do a show. I'm right there for that particular thing, you know, I, and, and, I, and I try to keep it there. And so far, I have, I've been able to do that. So that's a blessing. Yeah, we've been blessed not to have any crutches. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you think, Jimmy, that your um, 
is one of the instruments really your 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 main go-to or are they all kind of equal to you you know um i'll put it this way a lot of people that that hear hear me play they say that um that each instrument that i play i make it sound like what that what it is what that instrument is so that's that, that, that that's the main thing right there to me it's, it's equally you know because um I've always tried to to, to to be that way. I always try to be as, as good as I am on saxophone, be just that good on trumpet, you know, and be that just that good on trombone, you know. It, it, and it takes, you know, it's a thing that I have to go through all the time because um, I have to rehearse personally too um, to keep my chops together, you know. So so it's it's you know it's a task, but I you know I'm here, you know I'm a work. See, I, this man standing right here behind me, he gonna make sure I'm straight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to. Yeah. So let me ask you this, in the 70s, especially the latter part of the decade, you know, I noticed flute coming out in other like funk bands, you know, like Confunction, mm -hmm. they had a flute coming out and Chase Me and right. uh, the other groups. So were you guys kind of listening to that a little bit and kind of smiling a little bit and thinking that you had some influence on, on the well, scene? Okay, well, okay. It's a good thing you mentioned that because uh, I'll say this. I heard my lines that I, I when I came out, um, you know, like you said, with the flute and everything, and some, I heard my exact lines on uh, in, in a different group, you know, different groups that were coming out. So I knew. I said, okay, then they're listening now. They, you know, they, <laughs> you know, but uh, but the, the the original thing is the original thing. You know, that's the way I look at it. You know, but I I I've heard that. You know, I've heard it from different groups. You know, I'm not gonna name the group. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that. But um, I heard I heard the flute players. You know, play actually play my lines that I've uh did some solo stuff and some other songs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so are we saying that we didn't hear any flute in funk before Daz? Or not necessarily? Oh, you heard it, but it wasn't within the rhythm aspect. Right. It, it went somewhere else. It wasn't within the music. Right. Um, you know, now that's a good, that's a good uh, question. That, um, I actually didn't really hear any funk groups, any funk bands, actually uh, uh, playing flute. You know, they would have flute solos in there. You know, I didn't I, I didn't really hear. And I, and I think that's why uh, Daz went like like it did. Because, you know, we came out totally different. We came out totally different with it, you know. <laughs> so and it worked, you know. Yeah, uh, you, you had a lot of um, DJs across the country at that time was saying Daz wasn't going to do it. Daz was not gonna make it because I remember the AR man, you know, was saying, well, you know, he was going to different cities, but they, you know, they were saying no that but it was so different. But when it did hit the air, they couldn't take it they off. They couldn't they couldn't take it off the <laughs> off the air. <laughs> yeah. 